Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 120 of the big show, some Enforcer Base Podcast, and coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Trying to stay cool, like most of the world here. Oh, guys, it was, well, I mean, who am I telling, right? I mean, same, same situation everywhere, but, and, uh, hopefully for the listeners out there in BC, um, Hopefully the uh, the wildfires aren't uh, aren't getting too crazy. Um, yeah, that's always a scary situation, especially when you got no rain and yeah. But um, yeah, it's been like mid thirties. It was like forty yesterday here, and uh, I, I guess I was saying to someone I shouldn't complain too much because in a couple months we'll be uh, we'll be talking about when the first snowfall is coming. So, um, but uh, yeah, just kind of a we're sort of making light. It was just sort of a crazy, what a crazy province. I mean, uh, you know, it can go down to minus 50 and then it can be 40, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's kind of bizarre. Um, anyway, yes, you tuned in to hear about the weather. Um, <laughs> yeah, guys, uh, I know the last, uh, last couple episodes has been all me just yapping away and, you know, I actually had someone ask me like, do you do interviews anymore? <laughs> like, well, yeah, I do. Um, it, it just with the work has really picked up for me. Um, June, July, and August are kind of like, well, legitimately my, my only three busy months. Um, but yeah, at the same time, school's out. So the guys, you know, they got kids and they're, you know, they're, they're off doing stuff and whatever. So just trying to coordinate schedules has been tough. Um, like I said, talked to a few guys, got it, got it lined up that that's on me, not on them. This one, um, yeah, and uh, like I said, last last week's just been kind of real crazy, and you know when it's that hot, and of course at the truck at work, the you know perfect time for the air conditioning to go. So between being forty out and wearing coveralls and dealing with garbage and no air conditioning, it's like yeah, really not in the mood to get home and and do a lot of interviews. So um, yeah, you've been. I know I know it's been rough, kind of just getting stuck with me, but uh, I do have interviews planned. They will happen. Um, I've also said, um, and I will reiterate that I've sort of, I I really wanted to wait until uh, after seeing some of the, the ratings and the the reviews, not reviews, but just seeing how the shows are doing and and everything else. Um, I kind of wanted to wait until the playoffs were over because really with all the stuff that's going on, um, with the playoffs and stuff, the episodes are really getting lost to be completely honest. Um, you know, and I don't think they were dull. I mean, you know, and like they did fine, but I think they could have done better. But I think they just, um, you know, when you're using the social media as a, as an advertising vehicle, it just get, you know, you post it and you're talking about the show and it just, it gets buried under a sea, a sea of playoff shit, right? So, um, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to save the interviews, um, you know, for the off season. I mean, unfortunately, if you're a Montreal fan, I mean, I think the off season is going to happen here in a day, but, um, yeah. And then, and then I'll get into it here, uh, later in July. I will certainly bring it, bring the next player interview to you. Um, also coming up in July, what I'd like to do is once again on Twitter, do the Bob Probert invitational tournament. Um, that's been really successful for the last couple of years. Um, you know, just a lot of votes and a lot of in that and successful in that way. Um, just in terms of like getting getting people out and talking and 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 voting and that type of thing. I think I'd like to get that going. And um, uh, yeah, so yes, there are going to be interviews. Unfortunately, just kind of you're getting a stretch of me. Hey, I'm giving you content though. I just didn't ditch you. So and actually today's 
and I, and what I've been doing for if anybody's listening for the first time, um, but and even for the for the long t- long time listeners, um, lists for apparently for whatever reason list episodes do really well, and uh, and like I said, it, it started because I had a listener send me a couple, and uh, I'm like, well, there there there's a topic here. That, uh, you know, I don't have to do any, re- it, to be completely honest, it was lazy for me and it was good because it was like, you know, I don't have to research or you just read this article and, and, uh, you know, we could do the list. And, um, so yeah, he got me thinking, he sent me a couple and then it's like, all right. So I'm like, well, let's go, I'm going to look around the, the internet for lists. And, uh, and then sure enough, uh, <laughs> and, and I mentioned it and, and, uh, I found this one. Top 15 hockey players you wouldn't want to fight in a bar. So, hey, I'm like, there, there we go. I, I don't know how, what the criteria was. I, again, and that was the other thing with these lists. I didn't read them beforehand. I just, I opened them up while I was on the air and the reaction was an honest. And I'm going to do the same thing with this one. I, I scrolled and saw the thing and it was from that Sportster site that I did the other, I did one of the, uh, one of those crazy lists from was from that website, so I was like, okay, you know, and that was we really took the piss out of that list. So I'm like, I'm just amused. This is going to be funny to read this list. So I haven't looked at it yet. I've got it uh, teed up here. Um, I didn't scroll. I didn't look who their 15 guys were. So they were going to get an honest reaction on the air. Again, I don't know what the criteria is that would uh, make someone a bar fighter, but well, I guess, I guess anyone can be a bar fighter. So I'm not really sure what I'm assuming it's just going to be 15 tough guys, but uh, yeah, so we're going to do that. And uh, other than that, guys, I really don't have a lot planned. Um, you know, there's, I've already yelled about the refing and everything else. Um, not much else. I know somebody had, had, had talked to me about, um, um, you know, with Batman and then of course that the Chicago Blackhawks, um, um, case that's going on. And, and I'm just like, I, I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. Like, um, that, that's kind of not what this show is. That's, that's kind of, I mean, I guess the rant, I always talk about the rant episodes being like current stuff and whatever, but again, it's more about, well, I was going to say enforcement, more lack of enforcement or just issues that have been going on. Um, again, I, I'll leave that that topic up to, um, you know, people. And I haven't really, I haven't been following it. So I will leave that to the Blackhawks websites on the network and uh, and to the new shows that, you know, like the Obey the Puck show and, and, and that, that, that cover that. I know they did, Dan and them did cover that. And, um... And I'm not ditching you, Dan. I just have I haven't listened to the episode yet. I haven't had a lot of chance to listen to anybody's episodes lately. Um, so that's that's not really in my wheelhouse. And uh, I just hope you know the truth comes out, and those and uh, those that are guilty are face the penalties. And uh, yeah, that's all I can say about that. Again, I haven't really looked into it. I don't. I know a little bit about it, but uh, or the allegations that are going on. But other than that, I, I don't know. Um, the Batman thing, um, when he was just talking, it was funny because Dan brought it up on Twitter and him and I had a back and forth, we just kind of debating it. And, uh, I know they talked about it on their show a little bit. Um, I did hear a little bit of that part and then I had to go, um, basically it was kind of a state, it was a state of the union kind of address or whatever Gary before the, the Stanley cup final kind of does a Q and a kind of deal or whatever he does every year. Um, and somebody had brought up the, the officiating and he made the claim that they're the best rep official, uh, easy for you to say they're the best officials in sports, you know, of course, which hockey Twitter took complete umbrage with and, uh, and Dan and Dan was talking about that. And like I said, I said, well, what else did you think he was going to say? You know, and, uh, it was like, well, I just want him to say it could be better and transparency and all that. And it's like, yeah, but he can't like, because that's just going to, if he shits on him or says anything, then that's just going to be an internal issue because then the head of officials, him and Gary, they'll have it, they'll have a fight. And, um, 
you know, and it, it's just not publicly, it's just not a good look. I get what Dan was saying and all that, but it's just like, you don't handle your business that way. This is my opinion. You don't handle your business in public. I know the new thing now is to go to Twitter or social media and complain about everything and put it out on Main Street, but it's like, no, you, not when you're an organization, you don't. You handle that shit behind closed doors. And I can guarantee they've had that discussion behind closed doors because the people have been bitching about the refs left and right. And I said, whoever the one, Chris Lee, is that his name? Whoever the one ref that everyone was shaking his shit on, well, he didn't, he got pulled from the playoffs. Because Dan was saying, I want accountability. And I'm like, well, you have accountability. That guy's gone. You know, and I said, refs are held accountable after every game. They have to, they do have to answer to a boss. That's not Batman, it's the head of officials. And their games get reviewed and everything else. Now, it's like, well, that's not good enough. Well, it might not be good enough for you. I'm not saying Dan said that. I'm just saying in general, people, that's not good enough. Well, there's nothing that they could do that's going to make it better in your mind. You know, um, like I said, it's, but you can't be, to go back to what I was saying before, you can't, you don't, you don't just put, you can't put it out there because that's, that's just creating more issues. Like I said, it, like I, I, I've likened it to my job in, in working in civil, in, as a, in the government. It's like, well, I don't go and tell my neighbors what happened at the union meetings, you know. Oh, and they want transparency, and despite that they they pay my salary and everything else, okay. Yeah, you do, but I'm still not going to tell you what what went on at the uh, at the local union meeting. Um, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, yeah, the the like he was basically saying, oh, the fans are owed the fan. It's owed to the fans, and you know, if it wasn't for them, they wouldn't have a league and all that, and and that's all that's all true. But at the same time, their their job is to give you a product on the ice, an entertainment product. It's up to you whether you want to watch it or not. But they don't owe you an explanation. You know, it's and I mean, and at the end of the day, and, and what? So he says that. Then what? What does that do? That doesn't change anything. It's still not going to appease anybody. So, and, 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 and you, all you've done is alienated a, a section of your business. So, I mean, that's like the mayor coming out and, and saying, oh, I hate everybody. Our sanitation department, yeah, I know they could do better at the, at the local meeting on the five o'clock news. Well, yeah, so what's going to happen? Yeah, our union guy's going to lose his fucking mind on the mayor. And the sanitation drivers aren't going to be real happy about it. You know, so what did you do? Nothing. Because he didn't fix the sanitation problem. Although I will say, I'm going to say right now, the city doesn't have a sanitation problem. But you know what I'm saying, for an example. <laughs> Go garbage. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, it's it doesn't... Um, I don't really know what my point is here. It's Like I said, it's hot out, and I got a fan blowing on me, and I'm crazy from the heat. But, um, no, I, I think just... my I guess my general overall point is I think sometimes fans... Fans just, they somehow get this thing that it's owed to them. And it's, you know, and it's like, just watch the games. Like, I I don't know what more do you need. What more do you need? Sometimes the other couple episodes back when I was talking about like the post-game interviews and all this shit. I'm like, who needs this shit? Do fans really need to watch this shit? Do the players really need to do it? Like, I mean, okay, go to the dressing room, whatever, but do they need to go up on podiums and do all this horse shit and then the next two come in and the next two come Who cares? Like, really? Do I, why? Does, I watched the game, you know, they lost, okay. Like, I, like, do I really need to hear Nick Suzuki talk about what Montreal, how Montreal lost and what they need to do better? Yeah, I know what they need to do better. Stop more pucks and score more pucks or score more goals. You know, like, uh, oh, that's it. I don't really give a shit. What's the, what's the, uh, what's the temperature of the room like, Nick? Uh, how's everybody feeling? And who cares? Like, who's into this shit? I don't get it. I mean, I, I, you know, it's rhetorical. I guess some people are. I don't, whatever. Just watch the 60 minutes and move on. Like, I don't know. It's the same thing. Like, you know, yeah, you can have, oh, what's happening in the next stadium series and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Or the next collective bargaining. When's that going to start? And when's all this? And when's Seattle's first game? And, you know, okay, those are all valid things for Batman, but it's like, yeah, explain your refs. Well, what do you want them to say? Like, like again, it goes back to, 
Okay. And I, I can tell you from walking this spinning marble for four decades, for in my lifetime, everyone's cried about the refs constantly all the time, about in every sport. It's never changed. So I don't know, you know, and all it, and all it's done now is again is the NHL can't get out of their own way, and they've just created more bullshit with two refs because now you got two head spaces going on, and oh, he called three, I better call one, or he didn't call any, so I better not, and you know, no, you could manage it when there was three when there was one ref because it was just his approach to the game, and that's how it was managed. You know, now you got two guys, and all oh, there's more refs than players half the time, and. Yeah, because once again, here we go. You know, so it's it's not going to get fixed because they're not going to they're not going to cut the refs because what'll happen then? Because now you're losing jobs. Think the un- you think the referee union's going to let that happen? No. So you're stuck with two refs. So that's that's part of your problem. Yeah, and it's game ma- it is game management. But how do you? But you're managing it's two guys, so it's two different. It's like. Two brains, so it's two two different game managers, you know. So of course it's going to be just chaos. And as the game speeds up and everything else, yeah, it's it's they're just human. It's hard. And then of course you get every all these dorks talking about calling it by the letter of the law. Okay, you're you're a moron, you know, because you literally could call a penalty every shift. You could. So no one, you want to grow the game. You keep going on about growing the game. You know, oh yeah, growing. Oh yeah, that that reminds me. I'll, okay, I'll talk about that little dork in a second. But uh, yeah, everybody talks about growing the game. Growing the game's twenty power plays. Well, the players will adapt. No, they won't. Not at that speed. You just have no choice but to do some shit. You know. But again, who are we? You know, you're trying to appeal to dorks that never played and don't understand. They just think it's that easy. And of course, it doesn't help when these ex-players, Ray Ferraro and the rest of them, parrot this horse shit. I don't know who they're trying to look good for. Because I can tell you when you talk to Ray Ferraro, he knows they can't. So I don't know what he keeps going on and on about. But, whatever. You look woke, right, Ray Ray? So, you know, and it's not just him, it's all of them. But, whatever. But, um... Yeah, so it's well, and then then the other thing was, of course, that ref getting caught on the hot mic about the makeup call. Of course, all these dorks that never played a sport in their life just just somehow think they found like the magic bullet, you know? Like all of a sudden, it was like the Zapruder film, you know? And it's like, well, anybody that's played sports at any level knows there's makeup calls. So, but I don't know why. Again, I don't know why these new age geeks acting like this is new shit. Like, well, no, everyone's known that for. 100 years of hockey. You know, and, well, and then I, I hear the other big line, oh, there's two sets of rule books. Well, yeah, because there's two different styles of game. Again, big hockey fans, you haven't noticed the difference? Like I've always said, hockey's the only sport that changes in the playoffs. The gameplay. Does a regular season game look like a playoff game? No. Well, then that would probably indicate two play, two different sets of rules. Well, and that's not even two sets of rules. It's just you're you're now trying to call a different game than what you watched than the pond hockey pong real life pong game that you watched all regular season. Now has been amped up because now all of a sudden five of the daisies that wouldn't go into a corner for eighty two games will now all of a sudden bump into people and and grow a set of balls because nobody will fight. So all of a sudden we got half a dozen fucking killers on every lineup now. Except when the gloves actually drop, then we lie there like bitches and get kneed in the head. But, come playoff time when no one will fight, all of a sudden, you know, we got a, we got a bunch of the, you know, bunch of the Lady Bing contenders all of a sudden strap on a pair of balls and, the, and they're tough. So, um, yeah, so you got a bunch of scrums and headlocks and everyone talking tough and maybe playing somewhat physical more physical or physical ish as compared to the regular season cakewalk. So yeah, it, it's not two sets of rules. It's two different games. So again, uh, someone argue with me like, you know, what's the thing that changed my mind as they say on Twitter, 
No, it's like, I'm telling the truth, so that's the way it is. You know, what's the old, oh, playoff hockey's a bit, why? Oh, because now all of a sudden they amp it up. Yeah, well, that alone, that that sentiment alone indicates that obviously the game style changes. So, there we have it. Anyway, and it, so, I mean, and it's going to be a problem till the end of time. Because unlike baseball, when you can go, um, you know, the, the refer, you know, they could they could make the they could make the strike zone electronic, which is coming. You can't make the game of hockey electronic. Like it's you're you're always going to have referees on the ice, and there's always going to be a human element to it to it, and they're not robotic. And as much as you like to yell and cry and everything on on Twitter. They're not going to call. They're never going to call it by the letter of the law. You know. So for all you new age geeks thinking that, I mean, at the, in the regular season, they really don't have to call anything because, like I said, no one does anything. They don't even hit. They never get mad. So what? So there might be the occasional trip or obstruction or hook. You know, but there's no like roughing and shit. Like whatever. Oh, it's the same guys that Simmons or Wilson or Reeves or you know, you'll get a couple guys that'll hit. Oh, you know, other than that, and the occasional fight. This isn't me being bitter. This is just the way it is. I mean, they don't fight anymore. I mean, Brady to Chuck led with, like, what, six? You know? So, yeah. You know, the guy averaged a fight every nine games. He's your league leader. So, they don't fight anymore. So, yeah, so nothing's really happening. So, outside of a few occasional stick calls... But all, like I said, all of a sudden then the playoffs start and guys are starting to hit. There's more scrums, a few more elbows, a few more messages being sent and whatever. Yeah, these refs are all of a sudden like, oh shit, you know, like may, should I be calling this shit? Like, because again, the player, same thing, the players, the refs, whatever, no one wants to decide a game on a pl- power play. Nobody. So they're like, oh shit, you know, and it, so there's, therein lies the problem. But as Mike Rupp said, the former player, do you ever hear any players bitching about this? Like you said, the players have the power to change it. The NHLPA at the at the at the, win, at the summer meetings. Do you ever hear anything come out about it? No. I mean, in the moment when they lose the game and there might be a bad call, yeah, there'll be players bitching about it. Or like the Rangers you can write a fucking Karen to fucking message on on social media and cry about the refs. But overall. Not really. You don't often hear about them, you know. Like I don't know too many players that when their team wins the game, they still complain about the refer the refereeing. I haven't seen that very often. I mean, every you know there'll be a wine and bitch fest mostly from the coach over a lot over. But I was oh that miss call cost us the game. No, no, I would say it was the sixty minutes of you playing cost you the game, not one penalty. But you know, but they but they got to do something too. Because, of course, you know, the, it, it's like a mental thing. Like, the boys need to know the coach is out there fighting for him in the media and, and fighting the, and getting taking the fine from the league and whatever. They can't just not say anything. So it's more of a motivational thing, too, more than anything else. It's not like, but in the coach, in the, in the fucking goofy fans' minds, it's like, oh, yeah, no, there you go. He's savage for telling the truth. Okay, that's not why he's doing it, but whatever. But uh, yeah, but you know, but like I said, as as the more people complain on social media and the new Gen Zers get in there crying and everything about it, um, yeah, you're gonna see a lot more bullshit suspensions and fines. Like everybody's laughing at the Weber slash that what he slashed, Kucher, who did he slash? Was Kucherov, whoever for Tampa, it was back of the leg shit. Yeah, it was. Well, of course, the guy went down like he got shot and whatever. And Weber got fined five grand. But, I mean, it's a play that happens shit every goddamn shift for the most part. But you get enough people whining, and this is what's going to happen. You're going to start getting ticky-tacky shit because they want to shut the Gen Zers up. You know, got to build the game, right? You know, because that's, that's the new buzz uh, topic. That everyone likes to latch on to. For a while it was the CTE, the fighting and all that. Now the new one is is the officials and, and growing the game. That's their new big one now. And oh, if violence won't do it. And oh yeah, like, I don't know. 
Like, yeah, when has violence not sold? You know, oh god, you guys live in the fantasy land. But, but again, it's just a bunch of people trying to look good. I don't know who they're trying to look good for. Some imaginary, I don't know, you know, what, what judge, what imaginary judge and jury are you trying to look good for? Really? I want to I want to make a, I hope this podcast comes out real positive so uh, you know Ranger fan number 12 bread man number one likes my like gives me a like on social media is that is that who we're really is that who we're we're, we're doing this for the anonymous Twitter people I hope they like me I hope they really like me so I'm gonna say this. And I'm going to add a hashtag, hockey culture. Yeah, I'm so woke. Fucking losers. Like I said, I don't know who we're trying to appeal to. But whatever. But in their, as I said, in their appealing to the New Age fan. Of course, in, their, in the NHL, in their pathetic attempt at trying to stay, grow the game. And of course, everyone, all these youngsters. I mean, I, a part of it, I guess, it... You know, I uh, I don't even know where to begin. So they hire this little dork, Josh Richards. He is an apparently an internet personality. I love that one. Oh, he's a and he's a, a Canadian. Oh God, he's Canadian too. Canadian social media influencer. Shit, I thought I was a social media influencer. Oh, a musician, actor. Oh, he's a musician. Yet all I do is see him lip syncing. Actor and entrepreneur. He has following on a number of social media platforms. Yeah, so this little dork, yeah, looks looks like he fucking combs his hair with an iron. Um, you know, little cupcake, you can guarantee, again, I don't think he ever played a sport in his life. Um, just looks like a little fucking obnoxious, it looks like one of that, like the ringleader of that obnoxious fucking teenage crew sitting over by New York Fries in the food court. You know, that's, that's what that little dork looks like. This is who the NHL hires to grow the game. And I have to hear all these people say how great it is. Because he has 24 million TikTok list views or followers or whatever. It's like, oh, influence, social media influencer. So once again, we're going to get someone that knows nothing about the sport or has no credibility within the sport to grow the sport. It's like this whole Stephen A. Smith thing. He's going to grow the sport. Again, I fail to see how someone that doesn't know fuck all can grow something. But here we are. So this little geek comes out with a few TikTok videos. I laugh because in his first one, he comes out from behind a curtain, lip syncing to some horseshit song. But in the lyrics, it's like fuck bitch is one of the lyrics. But they blank out the word fuck. But he throws the double finger like, you know, it gives the finger like that's the new cool guy shit is to subtly throw up the fingers like oh, oh you know like oh, mr johnny badass here and i'm just laughing i said okay so if the like the city hired me like to do some i'm gonna be the new spokesman here for the the city of saskatoon and i'm gonna talk about the environmental program or whatever so my first order of business i come out with a tiktok video drop fuck and give the and give the camera the finger i'd be down the road so fast my fucking head would spin but here we are. And I'm trying to be a Karen about things. I mean, it wasn't like I was offended or anything. I was just laughing and shaking my head. Like, who thought this clown would be a good idea? But I'm like, again, while 24 million dorks on TikTok thinks this guy's cool. So that tells you how out of touch I am. So, I mean, I get the point that you're trying to attract the new younger, younger audience and all that. I get what they're trying to do. But I don't know. Like, to me as I'm just sitting here thinking about it, to get attracted to a sport, shouldn't you be playing the sport? Like, if you want to get into basketball, you can go down, and like every school or whatever has got a basketball, and there's a net and every, you know, a, a court in every playground. You could just grab a cheap, like a ball. It's not going to cost you anything, and go play. Baseball is really not that expensive. Soccer, same thing. Grab a ball, go play. What do you got to do for hockey? Well, first of all, you got to find ice. There's number one. There's... So, I don't know how easy that is in the United States, or let alone in the summer. You know, uh, okay, so now you got to buy skates. Hell, a goddamn hockey stick isn't less than $100. You know, well, you can go buy a wood one, but fuck knows, you don't want to be, you don't want to be a, a loser. You got to buy something cool like the One Piece. So, okay, there's a hundred and some bucks. Skates are how many, 
you know, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars now. I don't know. How much is equipment? So we're now we're talking about thousands of dollars just to even play the sport. Okay, or if you don't want to do that, okay, say you go buy a pair of inline skates, or even just play shinny on your shoes. You still gotta go buy the stick and whatever, and you gotta go find a net and all that stuff. So you go to play it. I mean, I suppose, but to actually get involved in the sport of hockey costs a friggin' fortune. Well, so you've already eliminated a ton of a, a ton of potential players or even potential fans. Like, I don't know, like, I'm just thinking about my own, like, growing up, I, I was never into a sport that we didn't play. You know what I mean? I'm just thinking about it. Like, it's not like I sat down and watched, like, okay, I don't know. Like, I, ne- I never, like, I mean, I've played tennis, but I mean, we didn't, growing up, we didn't go to the tennis court and play tennis. We were always either really playing baseball or whatever in the summer. It was always baseball, actually. You know, and sometimes basketball, like street basketball. But we never played tennis. Not very, like, now and again. But you know what I'm saying. We, tennis wasn't a big thing. So I never watched tennis on TV. Well, lacrosse. Lacrosse has gotten really big. Saskatoon Rush, whatever. So we never had lacrosse growing up. I mean, I know some, I've talked to some people. Some people played it. I don't remember any, it, it's it's growing now here in Saskatoon. And they have lacrosse leagues and kids are playing it, whatever. But when I, 30 years ago, when I was 10 years old or whatever, we didn't have lacrosse leagues. And we certainly never took it in gym, and I don't ever, I don't ever remember seeing a lacrosse stick. Is it a stick or a racket? There tells you I don't like. I don't watch lacrosse. I like some of the, I like the tilts though. But I mean, um, you know, it's a stick. Yeah, um, I've never actually even held one. I've, to this day, I've never played lacrosse. Never thrown a ball. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks like a cool sport, but I don't really, I don't go to the rush games. I don't religiously watch it on TV. I mean, I'll watch a few fight clips, but I don't really think that's watching lacrosse, you know. But, I mean, it's not like I'm oblivious. I've watched a few games, but you know what I'm saying. And this, humor me here with this exercise. I don't know. I think to be a fan of something, you have to play it. Do you not? That's just my opinion on it. So, with the costs of hockey, uh, you're not going to get people to play it. Not many. And it's like... I don't know. Again, this is just my age or whatever, but I can tell you if I was, I mean, it's a different time, obviously, and a dumb mindset with society and everything else. But if I was 15 years old and this little fucking lip syncing dork came out and gave the camera the finger and was, and, and somebody told me, Oh, he's the new face of hockey. We would all start fucking laughing at this goof. So I read the term social media influencer and, I mean, he's not alone. I mean, there's a million. Well, I mean, the podcasting. You know, there wasn't podcasting 10 years ago or 15 years ago. So, I, I, as I always say, I, the irony's not lost on me. Um, I don't think I'm going to brand myself an influencer, though. Um, to me, this is... I think podcasting... I don't know. I don't, I don't, know, I don't think podcasting's... Inf- I guess it's influencing. I always look at podcasts more as radio. Make-believe radio. That's kind of how I look at it. But I guess radio could be influencing, I guess, so. Because it's a form of advertising. Yeah, okay. Uh, I should really work out my scripts before I hit record. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I, like, I, I think YouTube channels and TikTok um, are, are, are more of a vehicle for that type of thing. Um, you know, because with YouTube, even on YouTube, like, I'll watch, um, like, Vegas videos on YouTube. Like, if a guy goes to the resort and checks it out. And, I know, because we're big, my wife and I are big Vegas people. Um, I mean, there's a million Vegas vloggers and everything else. Pennies for Vegas, shout out. Um, Mark, you make me laugh. But, uh, you know, I'll just, I, I just watch stuff like that. Um, and palm scene stuff. Um, it's just an entertainment. You know, as we're eating supper, I'll watch their 10 minute YouTube video. Um, I certainly don't watch them all, Vegas, because there's a million of them. Um, you know what I mean? I, I, so I get the influence. I get that part of it, the influencer part. Um, but, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't get how this guy is helping the NHL at all. I don't. I mean, again, outside of the, I, I understand you're trying to get that next generation of fan, but I don't know. I think stuff's just got to happen organically. I'm not saying you can't. I mean, every league or whatever, everyone's always trying to to grow, but I just think with it's a climate thing, uh, rink thing, and it's the cost. It's a cost thing. Um, and hockey, I think it's just outpriced 
it's just become a rich, it's becoming a rich person sport. And, uh, and I think that's really killing the growth far more than all oh, it's violent and all this stupid shit that the media likes to cling to. They never seem to bring up the price, the price of things, the cost of things uh, to me and the availability of things. To me, that's what grows a game, you know, certainly not. Oh, cause it's violent. Cause anybody watching this shit, if you think this is violent, you're high and, and these, any, and these former players, any media person and shit that's trying to like pawn this fucking version of NHL hockey off as being violent, you're just, you know, you're just whistleblowing and you're, you know, you're just grandstanding because it's not. It's, don't say it is because it's not. This Tampa Bay money, this isn't violent. No, none of these playoff series have been violent. So stop, you know. But they'll they'll show the two hits and the one the, the two big hits and then the and then the scrum and then everybody yells this is what isn't this is what doesn't grow the game or some some ref missing a fucking tripping call is what's what's holding the NHL back from really blossoming like oh fuck like you know are we serious <laughs> so yeah but anyway let's get on to this list I've talked for thirty minutes no one tired of talking about this shit. I'm actually really interested to read this bar fighting list. Oh, I didn't even do the sponsorship thing. Holy shit. Well, I should probably do this. 30 minutes in. Proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented, so whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Of course, now they're down to two shows, Tampa and Montreal. Well, I think everybody's still doing their shows, but Montreal and Tampa are the only ones that have anything to really talk about right now, so... Uh, if you're so inclined, check those folks out. Myself, Terry Ryan, we're on the original content side. Um, what, what's my computer flashing here? All of a sudden, Bit Defender's coming up. Um, uh, might be that brawl, brawling article. Um, yeah, uh, for my off-network friends, of course, Dan, Paul, and Kelly over at the Obey the Puck Show and Fred and Dave at the Slewfoot Show. Couple current shows that, uh, like I said, the, I was mentioning them earlier that, uh, you know, whatever the happening is going on, they'll be talking about. So definitely check them out and they're good people. And, uh, I, you know, five for fight. Oh, Alec, there he's there. He's putting pictures up from, he's down in the Florida Keys drinking. Him and the wife are out there and he's just like, oh, it's vacation time. That old fucking guy's life is a vacation. Really? Oh, he's here. There he's a globe trotter. He's here. Well, he's not really a globe trotter. He's a Florida trotter. He's here, there, and everywhere. And then there's rumors that he's starting his podcast again. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Where's it? Is he going to live from the, from the, uh, from Del Boca Vista's, uh, clubhouse? You know, make sure you keep your shoes on though. You know, so I don't know. We'll see what happens with his five for fighting podcast. In the meantime, if you want to get warmed up for that mud show, go back. His, all his stuff's still online, but in all seriousness, he had great guests. Alec did a great job. Happy to have him back. Uh, well, he's not back yet, so we'll see. But I know he's coming back. But uh, but he had Bylois, Segroy, uh, you know, all those guys on. Uh, Rob Ray. No, Alec did a great job, so it'll be good to have him back. And then, of course, Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles. I mean, I, I think he's probably stopped wearing black now. He's gotten over it a little bit, um, you know, uh, with his Islanders losing. Um, you know, well, uh, I'll tell you this, though. Joe, you can tell Joe's, you know, he's turned the corner. He's, he's accepted the playoff loss, but he's really excited about next year. And, you know, he'll, he'll, I'm sure he'll, he's going to do a whole draft episode and probably who's down on the farm and who we should draft. I know he's, I know he was asking me about my feelings on some, uh, on some, uh, power play units that the Islanders could have in the future, um, you know, to produce some potential scoring. Isn't that the, the Corsi? The course, one of the Corsi stats, uh, expected goals. Yeah, Joe's going to do a whole episode I heard on the expected goals. But in the meantime, his latest episode has been with Roman Endure. And uh, Joe's doing this thing now um, where uh, he basically just talks to guys about playing with former Islanders and, and, and that type of thing and uh, having... Uh, that, that island is still having that Islander connection because that's the gimmick, right? You got to have something with the Islanders. So, uh, but unfortunately you're only, you're going to run out of guys to talk to enforcers with the Islanders. That's only so many that you can get, right? So, uh, you know, you got to sort of expand a little bit, but stay within your parameters of, of what your show has been set up to do. 
Um, so he, this is his new venture, but it's, it's cool. He had Kevin Kaminsky on, which was great. Um, I haven't had a chance to listen to the Ender one yet, but I'm looking forward to, I always listen to Joe's stuff. So like I said, this last couple of weeks, I haven't had a chance to really listen to much at all, but <coughs> Joe does a great job and he's got a great back catalog as always. Ashram, Strugwig, Bolton, all those guys he's had on. So definitely check out his show. Um, but I mean, Joe's excited for the future. Joe hasn't been this excited since Carol Alt winked at him in the concourse one night at an Islander game. Yeah, it was probably the Yashin jersey he was wearing that did it. But, uh, you know, Joe, you know, hopefully the wife didn't see that. Uh, hopefully she's not listening to this and I exposed Joe's business. Because Joe's been going on about that for the last 20 years. But, regardless, let's move on. You didn't hear that from me. Everybody sent Carol Alt pictures to Joe. But Joe's got merchandise too. Check that out. You know, mugs, pens, pants, yoga pants. Joe's been doing a lot of yoga. Yeah. A lot of downward dog and what a tarantula, spider monkey. I don't know. What do they call it out there? What would they call it out in New York? What would that, you know, I don't know. I think Joe would just be like Thrilla Gorilla. I think that might be his pose. But regardless, check Joe's show out. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But I am saying to check out his show though. There we go. There's the sponsor tags. And if you're on social media, my, as I always say, my first question is why. But if you happen to be, check me out, Fourth Line Voice, on Twitter as well as Facebook. Um, if you're on Facebook, check out the Enforcer Appreciation Group. Go yell at a bunch of people that have n- no clue. I will. I laughed. I had put a picture of Dave Brown just speaking of Twitter off the top of my head. It just made me laugh. But I put a picture of Dave Brown with the Saskatoon Blades. And of course, a bunch of people comment, oh, tough guy, blah, 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 whatever. And the one guy goes, well, um, I never liked the fact that he hit so many people when they were down. So I, I just simply replied. I'm like, well, he was an enforcer and he was making a statement. Well, and then the reply back, well, others made a statement without doing such things. So I just replied, oh yeah, like who? Other than like George LaRocque saying good luck to everyone, you know, and all these fucking guys that love to yell about the code got boners over that. But he's like, oh, well, Clark Gillies, Terry O'Reilly, and Dave Semenko. All I replied was, holy shit, dude, go watch the video. Yeah, but this is the joys of social media that you too could come and and participate in. Follow me, Fourth Line Voice. But if you just want to watch some tilts, go to YouTube, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. I have over 2,500 fights. They're all sorted. Just go to the little search engine, type in whatever league you're looking for. Boom, they'll come up. Um, and like I said, it's not all NHL. I got, I got junior, I got the minors, I got everything. And I, and I always try to put up, like, I try to put up unique stuff. Like, like I said, a lot of the guys when they were in junior, Colton or Scott Parker, that type of thing. Um, in the minors, some minor league stuff, uh, some good brawls. Um, you know, check it out. And I have, I obviously have some NHL stuff as well. So I got lots of NHL stuff on there too. So whatever you're inclined from different 70s, 80s, 90s, um, you're not going to find, uh, whatever Reeves versus Wilson on there, but uh, you know, you will find Terry O'Reilly versus Clark Gillies on there though, so definitely check it out. But uh, and subscribe to the channel if you would. Also, uh, guys, if you're could you when you're downloading the episodes, I hope you're hopefully you're downloading. Please download because that's the one. That's the real way I can we can track like in terms of the network and myself who's listening and how how many people are listening. Could you please download? Plus, also like. You know, I hate to be that guy, but seriously, that's that's how I get paid by download numbers. So, please do not stream this. If you're streaming this, could you stop and download it for me? I'd very much appreciate it. Um, but it, whatever site you happen to be listening to, could you rate and review my show? It helps me out in the in the searches. Um, so, like I said, you're going there anyway. So, uh, I'm not saying you got to rate it five stars or whatever. I'm just saying, could you rate my show? And uh, it would be greatly appreciated. All right. Let's get on with this. Here we go. <laughs> Top 15 hockey players you wouldn't want to fight in a bar. All right. <clears throat> What's a little... So this was written... Is it the Sportster website? It was written in 2016. Okay. John Newdorf. All right. With the erosion of the enforcer rule in the NHL, the notion of two players dropping their sticks and moving their helmets, dropping their gloves square off, has become archaic. However, in the lower pro leagues, ECHL, CHL, 
Southern Pro fans actually still pay to see that sort of thing. Well, how dare they? They might pay for it. They don't really see it, but okay. That is to say, particularly in the smaller American markets, the Enforcer, Goon, Tough Guy, or whatever you have is still essential for a team's financial success. Yes, they are. I wish more teams would realize that, though. In the context of those aforementioned leagues, there is always two separate events taking place. First, there's the genuine hockey game. And teams and teams and their fans do want to win. Second, there are the expected fights. And in this context, the fighters typically fight each other almost exclusively, perhaps to something like Hell's Bells or Eye of the Tag or Over the Loudspeaker. The skilled players are left to play the game. Okay. In the interest of honestly, let's acknowledge that a bar fight is usually an underwhelming experience. I, I guarantee old John's probably never been in one then. But, okay. Parti- participants are typically inebriated, willing to hurt their bodies and their pride over their most trivial of transgressions. In short, it never it's never like the movies. Well, that is true. The one-liner insults don't make sense. Nothing heroic ever happens. And both participants are gassed within seconds. Embarrassing to watch for the most part. To that end, there will always be those that want to test their mettle, particularly against some someone with some clout, like a pro hockey player. So you want to fight a professional hockey player, do you? Here's a variety of, te- of top 15 hockey players you wouldn't want to fight. Consider this a warning. All right. I will agree with him on that. Although, if you go back and listen to my Jesse Rosanzoff interview, uh, yeah, go... go uh, uh, it was about a 15-minute parking lot ball bar parking lot fight with uh, Ryan Pesiak, which would have been a hell of a tilt to see. And I've seen a few good bar fights over the years, but yes, this guy is correct. Most of them are pretty useless. But let's go, uh, let's see here. Number 50, oh Jesus, Larry Robinson. Really? What is with everyone and Larry Robinson? Seriously. Larry Robinson, okay, what's their explanation? Larry Robinson was known as a great blue liner that hockey has ever seen. Two Norris, blah, blah, blah. At 6'4", 225, Robinson was extremely tough that fought selectively, yeah, selectively, like once a year, when he needed to, t- taking on the likes of Schultz and Milbury. Those in the know have likened Robinson's personality as gentlemanly. One who wouldn't one who wouldn't even start a fight in a bar. He'd be the voice of reason, understanding that things can be said that aren't meant, perhaps even encouraging a potential combatant to go home and sleep it off. However, if pushed too far, Robinson is the type of guy to end you. After which he'll pay your tab, make sure you get to the hospital, and apologize to your girlfriend for doing what he rather wouldn't have, knocking you out. <laughs> oh, these write-ups are pretty funny, though. Number 14, Ben Wilson. Oh, there you go. As an NHL fighters go, Ben Wilson is as tough as they come. Uh, Wilson's dro- oh, drop spe- oh, drop com win percentage is in the top five of all time. Well, I, I, I don't know about the drop your gloves win percentage, but speaking of drop your gloves completely, we'll hold this off. Um, of course, that website, unfortunately, is gone. And my boy, Steve, I've yelled and screamed about it on here a few times. Um, I haven't lately, though. And I don't know why I completely forgot doing it, but and that was stupid of me. But, uh, of course, with that website gone, Steve is trying to re- to rebuild that website. And it's unfortunately, it's a very expensive proposition. And he had started a GoFundMe a couple months back uh, with the goal of raising $10,000. And he's over halfway there. Um, yeah, guys. And, I mean, everybody that's listening, I guarantee everyone that's listening to this show, you were on Drop Your Gloves at one point. But it is an outstanding, it was a great site. It had all the fight cards, it had a message board, you had video. It was the one-stop shop for a hockey fight fan. And especially with everything that's gone on now, it's everything's constricted so much in the internet in terms of enforcing and fighting. Everything's gone. There's no message boards anymore. There's nowhere to go to talk about this. I mean, I, I take that Facebook groups, I guess. But, you know, but I mean, there's no fight cards on there and that's, you know, and, and stuff like that. So you're not, when you go to those groups, you're not, you know, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just missing something and drop your gloves was so good. And I encourage anybody to please find the link. If you don't know what I'm talking about or don't know where the link is, but want to give, just get a hold of me on social media. If you're not on social media, email me hockey fights at hotmail.com. Yes, I have a hotmail account. Hockey fights, all one word, lowercase, at hotmail.com. Just send me a, hey, where's that link I want to donate? And whatever you can, five, ten, twenty bucks. What, no one's saying you gotta give hundreds or thousands. That'd be nice if you could, but no one's saying you have to do that. Even ten bucks. Anything will help. Five bucks. What the hell? Um, 
you know, and let's, and like Alec has said a bunch of times, and I said it too, you know, there's 13,000 members in the Enforcer Appreciation Group. Shit, if all these diehard fight fans gave a dollar, we'd have the goddamn site up by now. So it's like, really? Let's, come on, you guys. You know, let's just do this. And, uh, yeah, it'd be great to have that site back up because that site was outstanding. But, um, yes, so please give. But, here, back to this. Uh, top five all-time record shows that he fought and beat everybody. Samanko, Nyland, Platt, Williams, Clark, at one time or another. What makes Wilson so dangerous in a bar setting? His affinity for Shakespeare poetry and is often... Uh, oh, and although often criticized at NHL for going for going easier on smaller players. When you consider Ben Wilson's fight record in the NHL, coupled with the fact that he studied economics at the University of Toronto in the offseason, you get the rarest type of fighter. An intellectual tough, an empathetic intellectual tough guy in a bar. When you hear Wilson say, and damned be him that first cries, hold enough. <laughs> Don't just walk away, run. I, this writer's actually kind of cracking me up. All right. Number 13, Wendell Clark. There we go. Wendell Clark is a unique pugilist for a couple of reasons. First, he's the only first overall draft pick whose name will ever be thrown around in the discussion of the NHL's greatest fighters. Second at 5'11 and under 200 pounds, Clark spent most of his career giving up inches and pounds while going up against some of the NHL's best fighters. Clark established himself early in his career as a player that would drop the mitts with anyone and becoming known for his quick hands, often landing several punches in the initial stages of a tilt. In short, your only chance against Clark in a bar fight is if you could absorb several shots during the Blitzkrieg, though your chances are you won't. Number 12, Brandon Prust. If, like yours truly, you lament over the loss of the NHL enforcer, read Brandon Prust Players Tribune article, Why We Fight. It's a very good article. I suggest everybody go and do that. Um, at 6 feet 195, Prust didn't have the size of your prototypical NHL enforcer, but he makes up for that in both physically and mental toughness. In the article, Prust speaks both eloquently and methodically about the dynamics that go into a fight, the why, the how, and the when. Long story short, when Brandon Prust decides to fight you, it's after considerable thought. What makes Prust so dangerous that is that, for him, it's not about winning the fight, but rather it's the fight itself, and that's scary. That is a very good article, Why We Fight. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a few years old now, but uh, definitely check that out. Number 11, Chris Neal. Chris Neal ranks very high on the list, list when it comes to respect, when it comes to the respect of fellow players and fighters. He's been with the Ottawa Senators' entire career team, which resigned, which has re-signed him on two occasions. He's undoubtedly a fan favorite on Parliament Hill. At the time of this writing, Neil had 333 career fights, including several tilts with Domi and Sean McMorrow, a career fighter with over 500 fights, 33, 33 in the LNH this year alone. Oh, that's unbelievable! I I did not I was not expecting a an LNAH reference, but okay. Uh, Neil is a true protector that would likely walk away in a bar, which would save you a beating. Just make sure you don't decide to go after one of his buddies. Number 10, Ryan Reeves. Took Reeves a few years to make it to the show, spending the first couple of years as a, pro, as a pro fighting his way through the American Hockey League. He was called up by the Blues in 2010 with the with the, and with the exception of a brief stint back in the East Coast League in 2012, he's been an NHLer ever since. The son of a pro, of a pro football player, it's true, Willard Reeves, played in the CFL as a receiver for Winnipeg. Uh, Reeves is a tough winger that will give you a couple of points here and there, and when called upon, prompted, he can fight with the best of them. Reeves' strong suits once the gloves are off, or his pure punching power and his athleticism. He's a strong, fast, intelligent fighter who continues to impress. In a bar, he'd probably just pick you up and throw you through the window rather than risk hurting his hands. Number nine, Tony Twist. Holding one of the highest career winning percentages, again, according to Drop Your Gloves, Tony Twist has, was an explosive fighter who hit hard and off and once the mitts were off. One thing that separates Twist from other enforcers is his approach to fighting, which he undoubtedly loved to do. Unlike some enforcers that lament over their role in retirement, Twist articulates his time in the NHL like Bruce Springsteen's glory days. The crowds, the cheers, the combat, the intimidation tactics he would employ, all, re- all with a satisfied smile and childlike giddiness as he's discussing them. Some guys like, like the fight itself, some like to win. Twist, by his own admission, wants to hurt you. It's very true. Uh, yeah, 
Twist got the enforcer role to a T without a doubt. Number eight. Wow. There we go. Brandon Sugden. All right. The next four names in this list are devoted to some of the of some of to some of the toughest hockey players that you may never know. All of which have spent time in the LNAH, the League to North American Hockey. First up, Brandon Sugar Sugden. Two hundred ninety seven fights, none of which in the NHL in brackets, although save a couple preseason tilts. Sugden had a few opportunities to grab the enforcer role in the NHL team, but nothing materialized. In Sugden, we're talking about Bob Probert of the minor leagues, a tough, technical, skilled, adapt fighter who has fought and beat all the challengers at one time or another. The guy is a legend with his fists. Fighting him would only add another win to his resume. Yeah, what? I, well, I can't argue. This dude knows his shit. I'm not going to argue with him. Yeah. <laughs> Number seven, Morasti, John Nasty Morasti, another pro legend, John Morasti, 348 fights and he smiled through most of them like a kid in a candy store. Of all the hockey players on this list, Morasti undoubtedly has the toughest chin. The guy's face is an anvil. In a bar setting, what makes Morasti so scary is his genuine love of fighting and the way he seems to embrace getting hit. Additionally, Morasti also has some MMA experience and was a gold gloves boxer. So you want to go him? Ah, no thanks. This list is killing me. Here we go. Scroll, scroll. Oh, there we go. Number six, Steve Bosse. The boss literally went from brawling in the LNH to fighting in the UFC, most recently as a com- combatant in UFC Fight Night 70. The boss has an 8-2-1 record in the octagon, one of his wins coming against a seasoned Marvin Eastman. On the ice, Bosse took on all comers and boasts 206 career fights exclusively in the LNH. Exclusively in the LNAH. In short, Bosse is a pure fighter and the only and the only guy on this list who didn't play junior hockey. Even those players that got the best of them on skates wouldn't do so in a bar. Yeah, I wouldn't want to fight Steve Bosse. I wouldn't want to fight any of these guys, but I wouldn't want to fight Bosse in a bar. That's for sure. <laughs> Number five. Wow, this guy. This guy. I'm telling you. Because it's funny. Because as I'm scrolling, uh, like I said, I didn't read this list ahead of time, and when you scroll, it like. The, the, there's a picture of each guy in a write-up. It takes up like the whole screen, so I can't see who's next. So as I'm scrolling, it's like a surprise when it comes up. So uh, yeah, uh, Joel Terrio, number five, with 405 hockey fights under his belt, including toe-to-toe belts, bouts with the likes of Sugden, Marasti, and Bosse. Terrio is one of the best fighters in hockey history, yet you may have never heard of him. Uh, he was a fourth-round pick of the Washington Capitals in 1995, but never made the show as an enforcer. Who was the only guy that Terrio fought that he didn't beat George LaRock, who he dropped the gloves with twice in the in the Quebec Junior League. So unless your name happens to be George LaRock, walk away from Terrio. He's dubbed the animal for a reason. Well, Terrio lost a few fights, but I get what the guy's saying. I'm just I'm just impressed that these guys are on the list. Number four, Ty Domi. The NHL's all-time fight leader is Ty Domi with 338 tilts. He did so while producing around 20 points per season over a 16-year career. Truly impressive when you consider Domi played over 1,000 games at the NHL level. That's more than any enforcer in league history. In this setting, yes, we're still on a bar. Domi's experience with his fists make him truly dangerous dangerous, and not someone you want to dance with. At 5'10", he may appear to, at first to be unassuming until you realize it's Ty Domi. It's 338 fights and I'm going to get filled in here. Do you remember that fan that fell into the penalty box in Philly? Things would likely go like that. I always wish Domi had just fucking beat the tar out of that guy. Number three, Bob Probert. Patient, accurate, intelligent. Bob Probert is almost universally regarded as the Wayne Gretzky of enforcers. Probert not only had a regular shift during his entire career, but he had a season total of 62 points, and in that same season grabbed 21 points in 16 playoff games. The only fighter... That Probert couldn't really figure out was Tony Twist. Mm, yeah, okay, he had a, there was others. Him and Twist never really. Act, I I think I talked to Steve about this on one of our episodes. Him and Twist never actually had those really classic fights. Like when you think of Probert, you, like the Domies or the Quarter or the Crowder, pardon me. Um, the you know Cox, like those marathon classic bouts. He never had those with Twist. Something always had the one of them tripped or one of them fell. I think Probert got his hand stepped on on one of them. Yeah, those fights never were good. They they all just sort of, which is too bad. It would have been interesting to see. Although uh, style wise, I don't think I don't think Twist certainly wasn't built for, um, or his style certainly wasn't made for like the long fight. Um, but yeah, it was always a styles clash there. But you know, Paul Probert had problems with Sandy McCarthy, and um, 
you know, I would say Brashear gave him some troubles. I think they fought about eight or nine times. Um, but anyway, uh, you really couldn't figure out what Tony Twist. Other than that, Probert could f- find a way to beat anyone. This is true. When you square up with Probert, look for him to throw with both hands, evade all your punches, mix it, mix in some body shots, and eventually introduce you to Dr. So-and-so. <laughs> Number two, John Scott. Mm, yeah, all right. Um, all-star captain, all-star MVP. Hopefully, John Scott score doesn't fade in the same way that the enforcer role hasn't has with so many of his peers. At 6'8", 270, Scott actually didn't have his first hockey fight until he was 23 years old. Does John Scott love to fight? Not really, but it's his job, which he outlined in his timely essay that was published by the Players' Tribune titled A Guy Like Me. Now playing hockey in the most eastern region of Canada with the AHL St. John's Ice Caps, it's uncertain whether or not we'll see Captain John Scott back in the show. In a bar today, you'd likely be asking Scott for his autograph rather than picking a fight with him. Choosing the latter will make you a statistic. Yeah, um, yeah, what a large man, that's no doubt about it. Um, I've talked enough about John, yeah. I, I'm sort of, uh, I don't know what's, I'm, I'm, uh, it's not that I don't like him or anything, I don't know him. Um, I, Scott said some stupid shit lately that's irritated me. And, uh, and then I was, and his, uh, I don't know. To me, after that, after he, he won that All Star Game MVP, I think that whole thing went to his head. And, uh, yeah. I don't know. And I'm not saying, oh, you gotta love to fight and, be, and embrace the role, but to me, he never did. And to me, from listening to him talk, I don't think he ever understood it either. I don't think he ever got it. <coughs> you know, and I mean, I'm not knocking. Like, he, he went out and he fought guys, did his job, was good at, you know, did well in the fights. Um, I'm not knocking him in that sense. Um, I'm just saying what people have said to me. Um, players off air that I've talked to, um, off Twitter. Um, you know, I know a lot of his peers call him a spot picker. I know that. And, uh, you know, so, and you go back and look at his fight card. Yeah, he's missing a lot of guys, you know. Um, but I mean, he's certainly tough. I'm not taking that away from him, but you know, I'm rather indifferent on John Scott these days. But number one, who is number one? George Larock. Seriously, Larock. Oh yeah, exactly. Do you remember the scene from Goon where Larock asked Doug Glatt, "Do you want to go?" and then says, "Good luck to you, man." Well, that actually happened. Oh, I'm well aware that that actually happened. Of course. Yeah, for every, to give every idiot that loves to yell about the code ammunition. Mike up prior was, the reality is that although one of the very best fighters in NHL history, he was, he'd be in my top five. Uh, LaRock fought always with the humility and a ton of respect for everyone he faced. That's probably why his career didn't last as long as it should have. LaRock often wished opponents good luck prior to a fight and said good job afterwards. He kept a strict code when it came to fighting that many NHL enforcers lived by. No, they didn't, up until 2003. No fighting at the end of a shift, no cheap shot, head starts, no hitting a guy when he's down, never celebrate or show disrespect to an opponent, so at least he won't taunt you after he lays you out in the bar. Uh, I will say, this this guy's, his writing is funny, I like this, this is pretty humorous. Um, Again, I mean, how do we, you know, it's a a fun little article, 15 players you wouldn't want to fight in a bar, I'm sure you wouldn't want to fight, there are a million guys you wouldn't want to fight in a bar. So it was just a funny little article, but yeah, reading that coach thing, uh, I'm going to, I've, I've, I'm going to do some, not some research, but I'm going to do like a, well, obviously something that I've never usually, I don't usually do. I'm actually going to sit down and kind of write a script for that episode and, uh, and really kind of really think about it and get all my thoughts on it and everything else. But I am going to do an, I'm going to do an, uh, episode called the code. And I'm gonna how it destroyed the how the enforcers destroyed their own jobs, as I see it. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. That's gonna be my assignment over the dog days of summer here. I'm gonna come up with something like that, and we'll do an article because I or I will do an episode about that because yes, and it was interesting speaking of that code, um, because of course that came out and Jacques Mayotte, um, who really loves to throw the code stuff. I'm not knocking Jacques, but he really loves to throw the code stuff around on Facebook. Um, and Segroy. What happened? I had posted a fight about with Segroy versus. Was it McLaren? He was fighting, I believe. And yeah, they were going at it, going at it. And uh, at the end of it, uh, they go down. And I, I can't remember if Segroy throws a shot while they're on the ice, something like that. Well, 
Mayotte replies that that's breaking the code and whatever. And it was just like, you know, uh, it's, I, and I, 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 I kind of mentioned that I'd, I'd really like to talk to these guys about the code. Cause I said to me, in my opinion, there, there wasn't one or it only happened after that guy wrote, there was a guy that wrote a book in 2003 or four called the code. And that after that is when I started hearing about it. Up till then, all my friends, all the guys that played that played hockey that I was around and whatever, my brother and all these people, I never heard the term the code. When I first got on a message board in 1998, the fried chicken fight message board that had hundreds, thousands of members probably, and we all yapped about fights and argued and whatever. I never heard anyone say anything about the code. I never heard that. Then this guy writes a book and everyone talks like it's the goddamn gospel. Like it's been around forever. And I always laugh when it's these older guys that talk about it because I'm like, did you know, did no one watch Wendell Clark or any of these guys fight? What code are you talking about? And players have come out, even Barnaby lately was talking about the code, like how ridiculous it is. And he goes, it's like Santa Claus. It doesn't exist. You know, you talked to Rob Ray. Rob Ray mentioned it in the interview. I don't know where this code, I never heard. He goes, apparently I didn't read the email. Tim Hunter has said there was no code. So it's like a bunch of these older players have said it. And that's what I said to Mayotte and Sigroy. I said, well, Hunter and Ray and Barnaby and all them are saying there's no code. You're saying there is one. So it's interesting how there's like two camps on this. And it's, you know what I mean? It's so, it's like, and I'm, and with a lot of the old guys, as we've seen by lists or what, or even discussions or whatever, uh, history's always revisionist, right? There's always, like, I'm sure if we went back on Mayotte's fights, I should get his old fight tape out. And, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure old Jocko hit a couple guys when they were down, you know? And I, and I don't have a problem with that. You're, like I said, you're sending, like I was saying to that guy today with Dave Brown, you're sending a message. Like, I, these guys now, I don't know what message they're sending when you're saying, good luck, bro, and let's work out in the summer and all that in the penalty box. I don't know. What, they're not sending any message. So there is no enforcing anymore. I can tell you McSorley and Samanka weren't bum-tapping you after they were done fighting. So it's like, it's a whole different dynamic. But yet everybody talks about this code. As even, the, like, Twist has talked about the code. And it's like, I've seen you, I've Twist, I've seen you hit guys and they're down. So I don't know what you're talking about. So it's a, it's just a real interesting subject that I would really like to dedicate uh, an episode to. Um, and I want to, and I talked to me out in Segura privately and I want to get them on and their feelings on it. Um, I want to talk to them regardless anyway, but, uh, but speaking of both those guys, uh, at, at five for fighting, Alec had a full length interview with both those guys. So definitely check out those interviews. Um, but yeah, anyway, there we go. That's episode 120 for you on this scorching Sunday. Well, I'm recording, actually, I'm recording this Saturday afternoon. What is it? Uh, afternoon. It's already 5.30? Man, I've been talking too long. But, uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, so whether you're listening to this Sunday, I hope you had a great weekend. And uh, if not, or 4th of July, Canada Day and everything else that has happened, hopefully everybody had a had a good uh, holiday. And uh, we'll attack the work week, and I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 